grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Have you noticed the luxury that we exist in in the sense of all of the different choices and options we have in our own lives? I mean, think about it. I mean, if you're going to be like remodeling a room or something in your house, you've got all sorts of different woods and fabrics and tiles and colors and the list just goes on. And it makes it a lot easier these days with the internet to be able to click a button and get whatever you, you want to your desire. I mean, look at food, for example. You can get sugarless this or that. You can get low-sodium foods. You can get gluten-free items. You probably didn't know this, but we, there are gluten-free communion wafers. <laughs> you've got your choice these days. If you've got to have a, a chocolate fix in the morning, your cereals can be not just Cocoa Krispies or Cocoa Puffs, but you can have Count Chocula. Yeah, that's right. You know, in one way, it's real nice to have all those choices. It's, it is a luxury. But today in Deuteronomy chapter 30, God simply gives us two choices. No more, just two choices. Listen to what he says. See, I have set before you today life and good, or death and evil. No middle ground there, my friends. Now, what we're going to see this morning is that in this choice of life, it all kind of circles around a word that maybe we're not real fond of, but it circles around this word called obedience. Let's look at the text and, and, and uh, the context of, of Deuteronomy 30 needs to be tied into this. It's in Deuteronomy 30. Now, Actually, since chapter 27, Moses is giving his farewell speech to the Israelites. He, he's giving, he, and in that speech, he reminds them of a covenant, a promise between the people and God. And in that covenant, there were requirements, there were stipulations that needed to be followed. And here, here, here are those commands. God commands the people to be blessed or disobey. If you want to be blessed, you follow the Ten Commandments. If you want to be cursed, you don't. It's as simple as that. And this, this um, means which God put out in the Old Covenant um, now is, ties in our relationship with God the Father. The commands that God speaks of are, are simply those Ten Commandments that we are all familiar with. But I want to read to you something. I want to kind of read around our gospel or around our Old Testament lesson because the before verses are so important. Listen to what it says in verse 11. For these commandments that I command you today are not too hard for you to do. Okay, let's just then take a look at the first three. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. 
Thou shalt not misuse the name of the Lord thy God. And thou shalt remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. You know what I love about the, the, the Ten Commandments? Is they're really all tied into each other. So, if you and I miss a Sunday of worship and decide, you know, I'm going to go see Aunt Mary instead. Actually, Aunt Mary now becomes breaking of the first commandment. She becomes our God. And then what happens is by that action, we're misusing the name of the Lord our God. And therefore, when James says when you break one commandment, you've broken them all, really makes sense to us. So how are you doing with those, just those first three? Let's be real honest, very honest. We have to be. We have to be so honest to see that every day we go out into the world, our human nature fights the Ten Commandments. We fight the law of God. And it's, it's not as though we just don't, keep the Ten Commandments, so many times we have no desire to keep the Ten Commandments. So here's the burden of our sinful nature. You see, our sinful nature says, do this to fulfill your flesh, your desires of the flesh. That's what our, our human nature says. And the Ten Commandments say, if you do, you're utterly destroyed. You've made a choice for evil. Now, I really think that's what's going on here in the gospel lessons. The gospel lesson, remember, when Jesus was talking about adultery and about all those aspects and cutting off the hand and pulling out the eye, that Jesus is simply showing how utterly defenseless we are against the law, that we can't on our own keep the law. But I've got some wonderful news. I mean, I've got the greatest news. I just, it just boggles my mind. And if you remember one thing from the sermon this morning, remember this, please. Don't remember about the gluten-free communion waivers. What God requires in us, he produces in us. What God requires of us, he produces it in us. Now, I say that's good news. Listen to uh, verse 6. Before I jump to them, let me make sure I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, verse 6 of chapter 30. Yeah, so we don't have this in our text, but this is what it was saying. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God, so that you will... Uh, and that all of your heart and with all of your soul that you may now live. Did you, the important part of that text is God's not saying you circumcise your heart. As though we have the ability to fix ourselves and our human nature. But he is going to circumcise our heart. And he doesn't leave this choice to us, thanks be to God. So God is saying, I will accomplish in you what I require of you. So how does he accomplish this? 
How does God accomplish this? I'm going to get down to the brass tacks in the sense of the mechanics of it in a minute. But really, try to get the basis of this. How does God instill in us what he requires of us? A very basic aspect. His love endures forever in your life and in my life. Now, I know that sounds such an easy concept, but just remember this. God is merciful and loves you and me even in the midst of our sinfulness. God is merciful and loves you and me even when we reject those commandments. Let me illustrate. Remember Moses in Exodus, I think, 34. He had come down Mount Sinai with the tablets. And then he saw the Israelites, what? Worshiping the golden calf. And they were broke, and he broke them. He went back up to Mount Sinai, and this is what the Lord said. The Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God, is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands forgiving iniquities and transgressions and sins. That is simply words from God to you and me about how patient he is. But the greatest example and expression of love that God could have ever had was when he brought his son, Jesus Christ, into the world. And there on Christ... The sins of the world were placed, your sins and my sins. And, and listen to what Paul says in Romans. He says, since therefore we have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. <laughs> and his love for us now does something, just does something I can't comprehend, and none of us can comprehend, but it's true. The love that Christ Jesus has for you and the Holy Spirit now compels us to be different people. And the best illustration of this is found in 2 Corinthians. As for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, Paul says, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for his sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. In conclusion. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That, my friends, is the reality of the gospel. It's God's work in us that now enables us to choose life, to choose the blessings that God has bestowed upon us, and now to obey God's Ten Commandments. This grace and mercy is now available to all of us. 
And it comes to us through the word and the sacrament. Remember how I had mentioned before that uh, the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, was a means of how God came to his people and how his people were to come to him. Well, the New Covenant is a different means. It's a means of the word and the sacrament, which comes to us and changes us. And that, that new life, that new creation takes place right there when we were baptized. Now, if you're taking any notes of this, you may want to write down this passage, and I'm not going to read it to you. Colossians chapter 2, I think it's verse 9 and following, where Paul says that we are not circumcised by the hands of men. Our heart is circumcised by God through the washing and the regeneration in our baptism. So it's been deposited there, and this this Holy Spirit now empowers us to be people of God. It enables us to push away by his grace the evil of the world and allows us now a new creation to come forth each and every day. We've been given faith. In closing, we've been given faith. Now, folks, <laughs> we've got to remember this one. It's a biggie. Faith is a gift from God. Faith is not something we conjure up, but now it's this faith that makes us obedient. It's God working in you and me that makes us obedient. It is not ourselves, but the creator. So now we're equipped. We're equipped each and every day to go out that door and to face the temptations of the world and saying no to evil choices. To saying no to evil choices and to saying yes to God's choices. To hearing God's voice and following him. Amen. Now may the peace that passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.